Welcome back to The Resilient Responder, a podcast dedicated to the men and women of our first responder and military communities. Here we talk about the job, mental wellness and resiliency, coaching, family, and living our best lives. Now, once again, here is your host, Keith Hanks. All right, folks, welcome back to The Resilient Responder. Today, we have a really awesome uh, episode again planned for you, much like going back to episode three. If you remember, we did a uh, coaching session uh, with DJ uh, Pemberton and Ossie Oba from uh, Clark County, I believe he was. And uh, it was a really good conversation. Uh, we had quite a bit of feedback from the listeners on uh, wanting to do more of those. So we're going to do that today. And uh, today we have DJ back. You all know DJ. DJ, say hi. Hey, nice to see everybody. Um and with DJ is uh, we have Trent Bolster from Las Vegas Fire. He's uh, been out there for about four years, and we're gonna we're gonna get to know Trent a little bit more. Trent, why don't you say hi to everyone out here? Hey, everyone! <laughs> it's always nice to have folks out in the desert and the West Coast come on the show when it's gonna be about forty degrees below zero out where I am in the next twenty four hours. So um, I'm mildly jealous where you guys are right now because what is it about fifty or sixty out there? Yeah, dip down into the forties for just about five minutes. Oh no. <laughs> um so so yeah with that today just uh so our listeners know we're gonna we're gonna talk about probably some heavy stuff uh we're gonna relate it pretty much to the job in, in certain ways different takeaways uh for personal life as well uh but again i just want to uh, commend trent on coming on the show today and and uh, showing vulnerability it, it takes a lot and i think that's a lot of what's going to help us with uh, the stigma with mental health in particular um so again, Trent, thank you uh, for coming on. And, and DJ, uh, why don't you uh, sort of give an intro and then we'll we'll let Trent talk for a little bit about who he is. Yeah, yeah, you bet. No, uh, I am a fourth generation firefighter. I knew very early in my life that uh, fire service was going to be in my future. And so uh, immediately after graduating high school, went through the community college program, got my associate's degree, uh, EMT basic, went off to paramedic school. Started working as a as a paramedic at about 21 years old in the uh, Bay Area, uh, South Bay, um, in the uh, Santa Clara County area with American Medical Response. Uh, rolled out there for about three years. Ended up uh, getting hired as a full time firefighter paramedic with the Alameda City Fire Department. I was out there for almost five years when uh, my family and I decided to to make a shift and to come on out to the Southwest. And so uh, I work currently for the city of Henderson Fire Department in the Las Vegas Valley, um, uh, currently a, as a firefighter paramedic uh, assigned to the hazardous materials specialty station. And I've been with the department for 11 years. Uh, and uh, last year, I decided to stop uh, walking past the problem of mental health and challenges in the fire service. So I took it upon myself. I became a certified life coach. And since becoming a life coach, I've uh, been connected with Jen and Keith at the amazing uh, first responder coaching, and um, they brought me on and uh, we are doing some amazing things with first responders across the country and um, internationally. And, uh, you know, one of the great things about having uh, Trent on today is that the Las Vegas Fire and Rescue Department was the very first agency to participate in our department and organizational program. Right. And so right now, every member of the Las Vegas Fire Department has the ability to scan a QR code that's readily available in their stations, in their work areas, 
and within 24 hours, being able to have an experience just like we're having here. Uh, we have over 40, 45 uh, trained, uh, either current retired or spouses of uh, first responders that are all certified life coaches. And they have the ability to provide amazing insight. And one of the things we, we try to do is we try to help people understand uh, where we fit in the, um, in the mental health continuum. Mm. You know, we're not, we're not certified uh, counselors. We're not therapists. Um, we are first responders and we have gone through uh, quite a bit of training to understand um, how thoughts, feelings, actions impact our results. And uh, when we come to a coaching session just like this, we understand that our coaching partner, the person that we're coaching is, uh, you know, they're, they have all the resources in them to make the positive changes that they want to get the results that they want in their life. And I think that's one of the important things for people to understand is that we're not going to start diving into people's pasts. Um, we uh, go into the coaching session and we are ready for anything. And one of our, our favorite opening lines is always going to be, you know, what do you want to get coached on today? And just from that nice, big, broad opening question and opening, uh, you know, uh, introduction, we, we just take the conversation where the conversation goes. And I think that's what makes coaching special. And that's what makes us kind of separate from, uh, you know, a lot of the other traditional modalities. And, you know, I think the great thing is like, in a, in a normal environment, there's no chance that you're going to see that coach at the next shift uh, in passing in your department. Um, I feel that it's very important that we have local peer support teams, but we are a professional peer support organization and we have the ability to support people um, all over the country. And, um, you know, having that confidentiality, having that uh, anonymous nature of the coaching that we do. I, I feel there's really something there. And I've been, uh, you know, a part of this for uh, about a year. And I think that what we can do as a company is to help more people become aware of the value that coaching brings. And there's a lot of people out there that may not feel comfortable talk to somebody they know, but it's completely normal and completely easy for them to open up to a stranger. So that's what I love about coaching. And that's a little bit about myself. Uh, Trent, how about you? Uh, I take from here, uh, tell me about uh, what got you in the fire service and um, just take it over. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. DJ, thank you for that. I appreciate you sharing those valid points. Um, Keith, thanks for the introduction. But again, my name is Trenton Bolster. I've been a firefighter for four years with Las Vegas Fire and Rescue. Um, what got me into the fire service is I'm a second generation firefighter. My, my father was a firefighter with Las Vegas Fire and Rescue as well. And then my oldest brother became a firefighter in the Las Vegas Valley. So I knew it was a, a career that I wanted to pursue. So after getting out of the army, I knew there was no other route for me. And that's what I did. I achieved my EMT. Then I got my advanced EMT. I continued to chase down departments that I wanted to get hired with. And eventually I got hired with Las Vegas Fire and Rescue. It's been a great four years. I work for a great department. We're very progressive and we cover one of the best cities in the world. So that's really fun for me. My mom, she's a UMC trauma nurse. So I kind of just grew up around the whole first responders that's healthcare realm. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes mental health stand out to me and how important it is because right now I'm early in my career and I'm, I'm 
I'm not getting affected with what may affect me later on because I never know when it's going to hit. I never know what a call might um, be that one call where it just kind of puts me over the edge. But I will tell you that I've seen it happen to a lot of people, people who didn't think it was going to happen to them. And those people being my father and mother. So I think attacking it aggressively early, just as you would in a fire and taking care of that problem, you you may be able to suppress it in the future and, and really helps people out. So I appreciate the coaching program that you all offer. I think it's a great resource that's offered to all the Las Vegas firefighters. And um, yeah, I can't wait to you know share some of my goals with you and see what kind of progress we can make with that. That um, that was an amazing insight you just provided with with what you said about maybe not needing it now, but being aware that it could happen down the road. And that is, uh, if anyone, whoever's listening, I hope you, one takeaway you take from today is that line. That is so important. It may not, you may not need it right now. You may not need whatever modality you may be looking into or down the road, you may not need right now. Uh, and I think that that is a very helpful thing to say, especially from, uh, and I'm going to sound and date myself here at my age, but uh, especially from an older uh, generation and having a younger generation say that, that is very uh, humbling and refreshing to hear. So thank you, Trent, for saying that. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, with that, we'll we'll let you guys kind of do this. Uh, I always like being a bystander on this. I always like hearing these, and it's a privilege and an honor to be able to be part of a coaching session that I'm not running, uh, because again, these are very uh, confidential, typically, and um, just the fact that we're we're able to share this, you know, again, Trent um, speaks volume of uh, the strength that you have to be able to be this vulnerable. So. Um, with that, I'll let you guys kind of take it away and uh, be interested to see what happens. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Trent. And uh, like I said, one of my favorite questions is, uh, Trent, what would you like to be coached on today? So what I'd like to be coached on today is sleep patterns, because I've noticed within the last year that my sleep is progressively getting worse. Um, when I first got on the job, if I wasn't running calls, I was, you know, getting that solid time from the time that a probationary firefighter can go to sleep until it's time to wake up. But um, now having the ability to go to bed and relax and not have to worry about all those duties in the morning, I can't seem to sleep. I'm getting about maybe three to four hours a night, not only at the firehouse, but also at home. So that's one that's one goal that I like to work on is my sleep pattern. And two, um, in February. The department is hosting ECS, which is our engineer candidate school. So that's the next step in my career. So just kind of some insight on um, maybe the the best the best schedule to stick to when pursuing um, the title as an engineer. Awesome, awesome. So so the first thing I'd like to do is I'd like to get really really specific. So uh, as it relates to your sleep patterns, what time did you go to bed last night? I went to bed at 11 o'clock last night and okay. um, caught a call around 12.30, 1 o'clock, and then uh, came back to the firehouse, laid down again, didn't get to sleep because just running in my own mind until about 3 a.m. Okay. So, so you, were, you were on shift last night? Correct. Yes. And then how about the, the last night that you were at home? What time do you think you uh, finally put your head on the pillow, closed your eyes, and started working your way towards sleep? About 12 o'clock is when I would say I fell asleep. Okay. And then about what time do you think you started working towards sleep? Uh, about 11.30. About 11.30? 11.15, 11.30. Perfect. And then about what time do you think you woke up in the morning? 
I wake up about 4.30 or 5 a.m. most days. Okay. Now, do you have a, a routine? Is there a reason that you're up at 4.30 or 5 a.m.? Uh, I usually set my alarm for 5 a.m. because I like to live out my days off duty and kind of get a start to them, you know, enjoy, enjoy those peaceful mornings. But uh, my internal clock usually wakes me up about 4 o'clock, 4.30. Excellent. So if I'm understanding correctly, you start going to bed at night around 11.30. You finally, um, you know, get in that sleep around 12 o'clock. And then your, either your internal or external clock wakes you up at 4.30 or 5 o'clock. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So, so help me understand, what do you think would be an ideal schedule for you at this stage of your life um, and getting you the sleep that you need? Say about 9 to 5, 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. Okay. So 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. Okay. Have you tried to put yourself on a schedule like that in the past? Yes. Yes, I have. And um, it just does not work out for me. And I think that a big reason is, is, and a big reason for most firefighters, when we try to stick to a pattern or we try to stick to a diet or some kind of goal that we want to meet in the day with a specific time, we may be able to achieve that the days that we're home, but the days that we're working, it's it's going to get disturbed at some point in time. So it's going to make achieving that goal a lot harder. So that's kind of where I want to to kind of figure out, okay, how do I pursue this and how do I make it better? Okay, good, good. And so I think anyone in shift work can understand that, whether you're uh, in law enforcement, um, you know, in corrections, in uh, the fire service, in EMS, we all understand when we accept this calling of providing these services that we do, that we are going to have disrupted sleep and, and shift work is, is a huge challenge for individuals. Um, and so uh, there, there are things in our life that we have uh, control over and there's things in our life that we have influence over. And so certainly your, uh, your learns at work, you have influence over, you don't have control. And so we try to get to bed at a reasonable hour. We get woken up two, three, four, five times. Sometimes we don't even get to sleep um, you know, when we're on shift. And so, um, so, so setting yourself up with those healthy habits at work, uh, you know, getting those, uh, you know, getting those goals into what you want to do at work is obviously good. But when we're home, we have a lot more control over that schedule. And so, when is the last time that you think that you got a um, you got uh, a full nine to five hour sleep um, at home. Um, so I would say that was about two weeks ago. So, but it wasn't in my home here. It was in my home in Florida when I go there and hang out with, you know, close family and friends. It's, and it's not in the city that you work in. It's kind of that, you know, that relaxed mind. You know, there's nothing there. You got nothing going on. And that's where I probably get my best sleep. Great, great. So, so when you're someplace other than your house, you feel like you're able to get better sleep. Correct. So why do you think that is? I'd say that in my home, I've attached not only the fire department, but outside businesses as well to um, where I sleep. I have my whole desk in there. I have my whole whiteboard in there. And so then that gets your mind running when that's the last thing you see before you go to sleep. Um, but in Florida, I, I see 
the backyard, which is the ocean, and some boats, and then I, I just get to go to bed. I don't, I'm not focused on any whiteboard that has all the goals and everything listed down for the year and for the month. And so, um, you know, until I started talking about it just now with you, I, I didn't really realize that that may be my problem is I'm associating too much work with the sleeping quarters that I'm in at home. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting revelation. That's that's really really cool. So so if we were to engineer a solution on how you could make your home in Vegas be more like your sleeping environment in Florida, what do you think that would look like? Putting a picture of Florida on my wall. <laughs> um, I think that would be you know making that space of okay, this is where I do work, and this is where I sleep. And this is where I eat. This is where I hang out. But when I'm not in that room, it's not time to be in that mode because I can't decipher from work mode to sleep mode to personal life when I'm intertwining them all into the same area. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that. And, you know, I think a big part of being a first responder is being able to gate back or slow down when when we when we hit the threshold of our own home or when we put our gear on we step into our rig and we head home uh you know i have i've got a pretty long commute i've got about a 2 hour drive to get home and there's a lot of times where it's it's tough because i've already been at work for 48 to 72 hours but what i'm recognizing is that that 2 hour time is just my time that i have and it allows me to gate down. I get to listen to positive, uplifting music or podcasts, or I get to uh, benefit myself in some other way. And so just because you have uh, a much shorter drive home than I do, doesn't mean you couldn't uh, intentionally put something like that together. And so do you think that there's a, an idea that you have or um, you know, a plan that you could put together to make that difference between being at work to being at home. And then when you're at home to uh, have a dedicated work time and then have a dedicated time where you're not focusing on the uh, whiteboard and your goals and your visions and all those types of things. Yeah. Um, I think that plan is exactly what you just said. Have that time to where I can focus on it and you know, attack it with a hundred percent and put in that work. But when that time is over, disassociate myself with it and transition, you know, give myself maybe a 15, 20 minute transition from that to, you know, enjoying my space, my personal time, um, you know, keeping it out of the sleeping quarters like we just previously discussed. So yeah, I think just uh, having that time block throughout the day is what I can cool. work on. And then how do you think you would feel if you had completed all your day's activities that you had set your work stuff aside and you had mentally prepared yourself to get ready for, you know, not being in that responder mode, not being in that business mode, and you're just in your in your afternoon, in your evening, wherever it's at. I feel more relaxed, and I think what will help with that is it's it's not a problem of okay, I needed to get this done today. It's okay, what am I getting done tomorrow? And so I need to probably sit down earlier in the evening and not do it where I sleep and not write down, okay, this is what I want to do tomorrow, not work with my calendar when I'm in bed, like take the time before bedtime, do that outside of my room, and then make my way in there, turn my phone off, turn my laptop off, and, and just wait to fall asleep. That sounds that sounds awesome. So, so one of the 
things that we like to talk about. We like to talk about smart goals. Have you heard of that term, the smart before? The I have, but I am not familiar enough to remember what it is. Sure, sure. So it's uh, S is specific, M is measurable, A is attainable, R is realistic, and T is time sensitive. And the great thing about the, the SMART analogy is that it creates that element of accountability. And so if you could say, hey, you know, starting this evening, this is the specific thing that I'm going to do. This is how I can measure it. And these are the steps that I'm going to take to make sure that's implemented. And then when, it's, uh, when you're done, you have the ability to look back and see, how, where is it that I succeeded? Where is it that I need to improve? Um, those types of things. And I think, um, I think as, as first responders and just as men in general, we've got great ideas and we've got lots of things that we want to get accomplished. But when we hold ourselves accountable in those, that smart mnemonic, you can just fill that in yourself. And so, so as it relates to your sleep, how would you fill out that smart mnemonic? So specific would be my time frame that I'm looking to achieve. So that would be about 9 p.m. till 5 a.m. And then uh, measurable, correct, for him? Mm -hmm. um, give me an example of what you would put for measurable. So it's just that feedback. So, so whether it's uh, on, a, on a watch or whether you just have a log or just some way that you're able to kind of follow up on whether you were successful or unsuccessful or where you were on that uh, continuum of that. So uh, something measurable would be, I got in bed at 8.55 or I didn't get to bed till 11.30. That would be something measurable. Okay. So um, tracking, tracking those times and being aware of those times. Perfect. Okay. And I know that there's Plenty of resources with my smartwatch. It has the ability to do so. Uh, my phone, there's all kinds of paid for apps and free apps that you can use to where you can yes. track your sleep. So, okay. All right. And you're going to have to give me the other one as we go. All right. Yep. A. So A is, uh, is it attainable? Yes. So, so, attainable. so it, uh, as we discussed, the attainability is going to be different on shift than it is at home. So um, almost giving yourself that grace or that compassion when you're at work that, hey, I'm still going to try to follow my schedule to the best of my ability with the understanding that I don't have control over my evening. And so that's gonna be fine. But when it comes to your time at home, uh, attainable, um, there may be, you know, it may be one of those things that are attainable. Correct. Um, one thing I'd like to mention like when it comes to referring to sleep at the firehouse or maybe when we, we run that full 48 hours without sleeping, I, I will say what I've associated that with in my brain is prideful. Like I am prideful that I get to work with such a great group of men and women that we're, we're willing to do this. And, and it's almost fun. Like you, you get out there, you get to help people in the public and you're like, all right, like this is kind of cool. Yeah, we've been up for 48 hours, but I got to do it with all of you. And we had some fun in between. So. Yeah, I think that association with that event is really helpful for me. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And I think everyone that, that's in this job because they love it is just, you know, that, that brings about 
so many positive things because one of the things that I've got written down right here is that as your thoughts go, your results will follow. And so when we think about a structure fire, as the first line goes, the rest of the response fire follows. And so if you go into having those busy shifts and you have a night where you're just rocking and rolling all night long and you have the thought that, hey, this is I have a lot of pride for what I'm doing and I enjoy the people that I'm doing with. That is going to serve you incredibly well, because I think. As we go through our career, we run into those individuals that may have a different perspective on being up four or five times a night, every single night, uh, about how that uh, impacts not only who they are at the station, but also at home. And so having those that, that positive association, that positive thought is really, really awesome. And so, uh, so we're uh, attainable. And uh, so is it realistic for you? to get uh, those uh, that hours of sleep when you're at home. Yes, it is. It is realistic for me. Perfect. And then, you know, when we talk about time sensitive, we talk about the ability for us to uh, implement it at a, an appropriate time or as soon as possible. And, and then just to be able to look back over a long span of time and maybe over a week or a month and we can reevaluate where we're succeeding and where we're struggling. Okay. Perfect. So, so we've talked about how your, uh, uh, we've got a little bit of a plan on your sleep. And so why don't you, you tell me what you've taken away from our discussion so far, and we'll see if we can't wrap this section up. Absolutely. So what I've taken away from our session so far is that I need to work on my sleeping schedule that I'm in control of. At the firehouse, I am not in control of it, but I have a good mindset towards it right now. And so, but when I'm at home, I'm going to be more consciously aware towards the evening time that around eight o'clock, 8.30, that I need to start preparing myself for bed and, and make it that attainable goal to be in bed about 9 p.m. and uh, make sure that I'm turning off my electronics, make sure I'm not distracting myself, make sure that I'm separating um, all my business thoughts and all the things that I need to work on for the next day away from the bedroom and, and just focus on, you know, the good, the grateful right before I go to sleep and uh, hopefully achieve going to bed around 5 p.m. Or I'm sorry, 9 p.m. and waking up about 5 a.m. Perfect. Perfect. And then um, so there's just one other tip that I want to give you that has been really, really helpful for me. But having something like a notepad or a, uh, a note on your phone is an incredible way to take those thoughts that are running around in your head, getting them through your hand onto a piece of paper or onto a note. And for me, that helps me set that thought aside. And it stops that, stops that thought loop that I have about whatever it is that I've, I'm thinking about that I've got going on. And there's something magical about that that is just unexplainable, but just once it's out of your head onto a piece of paper, it's like, man, I can, I can sleep well knowing that I'm going to be able to pick that up in the morning. And sometimes it's, it's a nonsense thought. And other times it's like, hey, this is, this is a great idea. Cool. Cool. Well, Keith, you want to take a little breather? Yeah, yeah. We'll take a break in a, in a few seconds here. And uh, I, one thing I want to just point out was something that uh, Trent said about five minutes ago, and that was anything is attainable. And that is, uh, Another takeaway I want, want our listeners to kind of pay attention to because 
with, within what you have control over, anything is attainable. And you put your mind to anything, you really can achieve um, the impossible at times. And so that was that was really that was well said, and almost felt like you planted it at the right moment there. But uh, that that was good. That was I, I always like to have these moments uh, on the show where something is said that anyone can take can have a takeaway from. And so. Uh, anything is attainable is that line, at least in the first half here. Um, we'll see if you can you can top that one in the next part. Uh, but we'll just take a quick uh, commercial break here, folks. Uh, get a word from our sponsor, First Responder Coaching. Coaching is here now for all first responders and their families. When it comes to the job and the stresses that come with it, we at First Responder Coaching know exactly how it can affect every aspect of your life and the lives of those around you. That's because we are first responders and their families. First responders are well-versed in reacting to a situation. It is literally what we do as firefighters, law enforcement, dispatch, and EMS personnel. When trauma enters our lives, we react to it by tucking it down away somewhere in our minds but we carry it with us and never really goes away. We need to stop carrying trauma into every aspect of our personal and professional lives. It's time to start having proactive, powerful conversations right now to gain a better balance in the responders' whole life. This is true for their families, especially the spouses. Take that first step in making some of the most important improvements in your life. Visit www.1strespondercoaching.org now to make an appointment to chat with FRC. A coach will reach out, and before you know it, you'll be on your way to living a proactively fit lifestyle. All right, so we're back, folks, um, and we're here with Trent and DJ. We're having a pretty amazing uh, coaching session here. Um, and for those that aren't aware, uh, who haven't uh, turned tuned in for the first one we did back on episode three, uh, this coaching session is between DJ and Trent. Uh, I am here. Uh, I know for those not watching the video end of this, uh, it may seem like it's uh, I've disappeared, but I'm here. I'm watching the whole thing, listening to the whole thing. Uh, but a coaching session is when you do a one-on-one is between the coach and their coaching partner. So uh, it's very important that I don't uh, intervene in that and allow them to have a, you know, a fluid and natural conversation. So uh, that's sort of part of this. And, you know, with that, I'll, I'll toss the uh, the mic back to DJ and Trent and let them uh, move on to the next thing that uh, they want to work on. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. How are you doing, Trent? Doing well, sir. Thank you. Good, good. Glad to hear it. So the second thing that you brought up was that you have a plan to uh, start the engineer promotional process. Is that correct? Correct, sir. Yep. It starts in February. So my whole goal is to, well, we are in February now. Happy February, everyone. It starts here in the beginning of this month. So just here in about a week or so. Perfect. So I want to start off with the, with the first question as to uh, why do you want to be an engineer? So I want to be an engineer because um, it's funny, actually, as a kid, when I received toys from my parents, I actually wouldn't really play with them. I would just take them apart to figure out how they work. So I've always had that kind of like mechanical aptitude, and I want to further expand that, as well as I like working with machinery. And to me, uh, any kind of fire apparatus is one of the best machineries out there because it's big and mine are red, and I think they're beautiful, and I love playing with them, and I like to, to learn about them. So I want to further expand that, and also I want to, you know, continue progressing within my career. Um, a, a challenge that I'm facing is I was at the training center the other day, 
and I was pumping. Um, we were doing some uh, high-rise operations, and everything was done. Uh, the the rig was the rig was going. We were pumping. Uh, the guys upstairs doing a mock fire attack. They're receiving their water, and you know what? I was like, man, I'm bored right now. <laughs> like, I want to be up in that tower right now, hanging out with my friends, spraying that hose. But I think it's very important, and it's just as we were talking about earlier, looking to the future. I, I may feel that way about it now, but 10 to 15 years from now, I, I may have been like, okay, I should have pursued being an engineer. So it's, it's going to take that time and you know, that transition, but I'm really looking forward to it. And I think that it's going to be a great step for me in my career. Very cool. That's a, that's a really cool story. So, so you mentioned about the challenge that you faced when you were pumping. So why was that a challenge? I think what we're, I'm so used to, and us firefighters and us young firefighters, we're, we're so used to being on the hose line and, and right in the action. And so I'm trying to appreciate the, the new feel for it. So when we first um, did our mock situation, as you may know, when you first arrive on scene, I'd say the first 10 minutes for a firefighter, all firefighters on scene is extremely busy. Um, and the, the gentleman on fire attack and the ladies on fire attack, they continue to, um, you know, carry that on through the next 15, 20 minutes because they're in there, they're fighting the fire, they're doing overhaul. Well, from what I felt like from the engineer side of things in perspective, I was like, I, everything's kind of done right now. And I got to stay at my station. I got to make sure that everything's working properly. So it's just that lack of being in the fire, not being right up in the action, but as well as like, okay, like I'm also a crucial component within this whole operation. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that's uh that's, I think a lot of people experience that, that exact same thing. And so, so if you were to think about, you know, you mentioned about being, um, not being in that action and emotion and all those things that the firefighter is doing, what is a, what is a way that you can think of the work that you're doing in your engineer role that can give you that same level of satisfaction or gratification or, uh, you know, that same that rush that we get when you're on the other side of that with the hose lines? I would say that um, setting up the rig, getting all the hoses on the ground, like doing it quick, doing it properly, making sure everything's ready to go for the fire attack. And, uh, you know, just um, get, getting that jump on, uh, on um, getting everything ready to go in. And, and I think that's important because what, what I realize is I can be helping my brothers and sisters by maybe pulling the line form where they're, they're masking up or they're doing their 360 or they're evaluating the structure that they're about to go into. So I think what I need to associate that is, is just as I was saying, is like, you're still a very important component, which engineers are very, very important, but now your job's just different. You may not be upfront with the fire, but without you being there, that fire is not getting any water on it. So that, yeah, that's a very important role in the fire service. Yeah. So what I, if I if I understand correctly, what what I just heard from you is that just because it's different doesn't mean it's any less important. Would that exactly. be fair? Of course. Yeah. Because I think um, I think what we do sometimes is uh, for myself. I think I do a fire aim ready, where we decide jump into something and we say, oh, that this would be a lot of fun, and then we we go back and we talk about uh, you know the the Covey um, you know habits of effective people, you know, starting with the why. So I think if you start with the why as an engineer of why you're becoming an engineer, and from what I understand, it's like, just because it's different 
it doesn't mean it's any less important. And you talked about how you've always loved the apparatus. You, you're you know, being challenged with a new role in the fire service. But if you could give me just one sentence as to the why, as to why you're becoming an engineer, then as you go forward with your engineer process, everything else tends to fall into place. You know, there's going to be times where it's hard. It's going to be times when it's, uh, you know, there's sacrifice on your part. But if we have a strong why as to why we're doing things, that makes those things so much easier. So what do you think would be your why for why you're becoming, uh, pursuing an engineer? So the three that I just wrote down was a new challenge. And so what I like to do is for the year is I like to pursue new challenges. So last year, uh, finally finished up my bachelor's degree. And, and what it did was it, it opened up this new time for me to face something within my career, which would be becoming an engineer. So a new challenge and as well as career progression, getting that early start on, okay, this is where I want to be in my career and this is how I can obtain it and taking those opportunities with engineer candidate school coming up. And the other reason is pride. Um, my father, before he retired, he was an engineer for about 15 years. And I think it'd be cool to sit in the same seat that my father sat in and be like, okay, this is, this is the Bolster family. We are firefighters and I'm a firefighter engineer, exactly where my pop sat. And to me, like that, that's, that's a huge goal for me. Like, I just want to be exactly where my dad was at because that was my hero growing up. Yeah, that's awesome. A new challenge, career progression and pride. That sounds awesome. So now utilizing that as the lens of how you're approaching engineer development school. How do you think that you're going to approach it now when you have the why of you're going after a new challenge, a career progression, and the pride in uh, bringing your family tradition forward and being a, a bolster engineer? So uh, with pride, I associate that automatically with one word, and that one word is appreciation. So going into it, being appreciative of the opportunity to pursue being an engineer, um, that's going to give me a great outlook and it's going to make me happy to be there. It's going to make me happy to get hands on with the equipment and learning all kinds of new things about it as well. So um, I think just maintaining that mindset, no, no matter what tests we're, we're facing, no matter what challenges we're going to have in the day, like, I'm just very appreciative of being there. Perfect. Awesome. I like it. I like it. So, so why don't you tell me a little bit more about the nuts and bolts? What are, what are some of the steps that you're going to be taking in order to sex, successfully com uh, complete your uh, engineer development school? So the first step is going to be, it's so ECS is what we say for sure for engineer candidate school, and it's hosted two times a week and throughout the next three months. So firefighters who are pursuing becoming an engineer, what they do is they pick one of those days each week. They're going to go to the classroom for about eight hours. And um, as to how much of that time is hands-on and how much of that time is in the books or in the classroom, I I'm not sure. But that is one of the steps. Second step is studying all the department SOPs that are related to engineers, getting to know the different apparatuses that we have on the fire department, including like the Schmiel's engines the, and the Pierce's and then also the different kind of trucks water tender and any other kind of specialty vehicle we may have and then from there um, gearing up for the ECS test which will be in April so studying for that it's a mixture of um, NFPA standards it's a mixture of uh, the IFSTA books and also department SOPs and then from there um, 
getting ready to do the uh, uh, assessment center. So the assessment center is a, a week long. And um, from my understanding, they host different events that would be fire related and mock fires. And uh, you just go there and to the best of your ability, you apply all the knowledge that you've learned and you act in the engineer position at that time. So that's over the span of the next three to four months. Perfect. Perfect. So on a scale of zero to 10, zero being not at all and 10 being uh, 100%, uh, where do you think you are right now in your desire to want to be successful in your engineer candidate school? My desire to be successful right now, I would put it at about a seven. And the reason being is because I want to be very successful as an engineer but also I want to be very successful in outside of the fire department in personal businesses that I may start. So um, I need to, I would say that the amount of time that I put into reading my engineer book this week was about four hours, but the time that I put into um, chasing down like real estate deals and investments was about eight hours. So maybe I need to find a better balance between the both of them and put in an equal amount of time or realize that one is only for a short period of time, which is the next four months, and that I need to absolutely dedicate myself, and that the other, um, you know, the other investment deals and other businesses I can pursue after, and it will actually put me in a better position pursuing them after because I'll have a better foundation with the fire department and my new career and um, as an engineer, and then now I can line myself up and be less distracted to focus on those older goals. Nice, nice. So, so what do you think a a ten would look like in your pursuit of engineer candidate school? A ten for me would be every morning that I get off work, being at the firehouse, undistracted, not having to run calls, um, being there on my own time for approximately two to three hours, getting hands on with the engine, making sure I understand how the pump works, making sure that I understand that what every lever, what every gauge does, what every drain does. And then also going home, finding my, my space where I'm not distracted and sitting down in the books, uh, getting to know the S, SOPs and putting about four to five hours a day into that as well. Cool, cool. So, so I think what you touched on is, is awesome. And I think nothing in life ever happens in a vacuum. We've always got competing interests, whether it's with family, whether it's with friends, We've got stuff inside of work, stuff outside of work. And so finding that balance and finding that harmony between all of those elements is, is you know, vital to not only your mental health, but also your physical health. And so I think if you were to dedicate this time and set up yourself, I don't think, uh, I think one of the things that we do as, as guys is that we do this either or thinking. And we think either I'm going to be good in my engineer candidate school, or I'm going to be pursuing these other business ventures. And I, I firmly believe that we can make the both, both of those work. And it just comes down to prioritization. It comes down to uh, how we're going to plan our time. Uh, one of the things that I've found is that when I look at my week or my day and I block out focus time, where I'm going to be focusing on one thing specifically, even if it's just for 45 minutes, I'm going to get more work done in that focus time of 45 minutes than I might get in two hours of just kind of, you know, having my material around, kind of flipping through things. And, you know, for me, the idea of studying and preparing to study is a lot easier than the actual studying. And so I know that when uh, I'm aware of 
when I do things that are not getting me closer to my goal, I need to kind of shift my, my focus. And, uh, you know, one of the ways that I like to say it more clearly is that in our life, we have passive action and we have massive action. And so passive action is when we do things that are good, but they don't get us closer to our goal. That massive action is physically putting your hand on that truck, physically sitting down, reading those books, physically, you know, in your business things, you know, reaching out and making those phone calls of those individuals. And in our lives, especially as with as busy and as with as many competing uh, things as we have going on, balancing that, making sure you have that massive action that occurs during your day in addition to that passive action can really move you forward in those areas of life that you really want to improve upon. Absolutely. That's a, that's a good balance that I need to work on myself with the passive and massive. And uh, I think that what I was saying with in regards to the next four months, is it, it needs to be massive action. It needs to be, the, the time is now, uh, ECS is here. And, uh, you know, as, as much as we want everybody to succeed, it is a competitive um, school at the same time. And we're all pursuing the same career as an engineer. And I, I need to take that step and I, I need to have massive action towards it. I like it. I like it. So, so just just wrapping up this uh, this element of your engineer candidate school. We talked about a lot of things. What do you think when we think back of those? Uh, you know, kind of along the same lines of those smart goals. Um, what are some of the specific things that you think that you're going to be doing to make you the best candidate possible and the best businessman possible as you're moving forward in the next couple months? What I need to do and what I've noticed that I struggle with in the past is like with businesses, it, it's, um, it's very exciting. And as exciting being an engineer is, it's exciting to drive the engine, drive the truck, um, respond to the calls, go code three, lights and sirens, right? All the fun stuff. But sitting down, reading the SOPs, reading the different numbers that the NFPA puts out, that's the boring work. And so the reason that I'm able to um, focus more time on my investments and businesses is because it's exciting to me. It's like that challenge, it's that risk, and it's like it's now and it's live and it's happening. So I need to realize that also I need to get comfortable with doing the boring. And, and that's something that I've heard my entire life. And you sit down and you really focus on it for about 10 minutes and I think you'll just start to get your flow. And so it's for me, it's getting comfortable with the boring and realizing that along the way, there's going to be that excitement. And um, not only will one day I will get to pump a fire as the acting engineer that I've been promoted to, but also coming back on first responder coaching and be like, hey, I'm an engineer now. Look at <laughs> so, the, those are, that's kind of the exciting that I need to look forward to, because although I do enjoy the adventure and I enjoy the challenge. I also enjoy having that vision in my own brain of what it will look like one day. And so I think for me, I need to focus on that part. I like it. I like it. Awesome. Well, Trent, is there anything else that you want to focus on now? Or are you good with uh, wrapping up our session here? I'm good with wrapping up our session here. I think that there's some valid points made. I mean, the some of the tools that you threw out to me as with passive and massive, and there's still my why of why I want to be an engineer. Um, I think those are great resources for me to start. I have them on paper here. And then as well as with my SMART goals for when it comes to sleeping. And I think that the two will go hand in hand. And I think that the, the better I'm able to sleep off duty, 
um, that I'll be able to study more. I'll be able to take that next progressive step to becoming an engineer. So all I have to say is Keith and DJ, I'm really appreciative of you and uh, thank you so much. And uh, I appreciate all the valid points. Yeah, you bet. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, this was uh this was great and uh, you know we're going to we're going to keep talking for a little bit here uh so i set i set up the uh set the ball up for a spike and i'm going to tell you something Trent. you buried it in the sand man you had early, you said earlier about anything is attainable and i told you that it would be hard pressed to beat that in the second half and you did um appreciative of the opportunity i believe is how you worded it and um i'm just going to say you you got a good head on your shoulders you really do and the las vegas fire rescue is, is very fortunate to have you you you're going to aspire to be a very good leader, whether you stay an engineer, or you move on to the brass. Um, you, you're a very driven and dedicated person with a lot of discipline. And it shows just in the way you talk and the things you have said. And I just want you to know that from someone who started down this, this road back in the mid nineties, um, I've seen a lot of would be leaders come and go and a lot of would be, uh, we call them chauffeurs or fire pump operators, FPOs out here in the East coast. But, um, uh, I've seen a lot of those would be come and go, and you were obviously dedicated to the cause, uh, every part of it in the fire service. And I applaud you for that. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Well, I, I appreciate someone who's actually dedicated to the, the root of what this job really stands for. And that's pride, tradition, uh, and motivation, dedication, uh, and discipline. And you are, and, um, you know, being someone who also comes from a, you know, we're, we're all kind of, we all have this common bond. I come from a family background of firefighters dating back to 1875 here in the Northeast. And um, there is, and I'll be honest with you, uh, when you started talking about the the engineer thing, I'm sitting in my head, I'm like, you know how, how many times I used to bust my Uncle Bill's balls about being a pump operator? Because that's what he did. He got on the same year I was born, so he's going on 45 years now. And um, that was his thing for the long time, was pumping that truck. And I used to bust on, oh, you never go in fires, you never do this. And then there came a point in my career where I was like, you know, this isn't too bad. This is a pretty important part of the job. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like the, the thrill is still there. And you have some very valid points where, um, you know, I think a lot of us um, take for granted, um, whether it's engineer, FPO, chauffeur, whatever it is of, of whatever apparatus, even if it's, you know, the, uh, the truck companies, the rescue companies, um, it, it, there's a very integral part to, to the overall um, incident. Uh, that these members have in those positions and you don't really appreciate it. Typically you don't really appreciate it until you're later in your career and four years in you already see it. And, and maybe it's because your, your dad was one. Um, but I think it's just more because you have a really good head on your shoulders. You, you already appreciate that. And that's huge. Um, and so I know I can tell, and I'm sure DJ can tell um, that uh, whatever position you put yourself into, uh, you're going to be really great at it. Thank you. I, it's uh, again, as you just came back to, it's it's the pride of the fire service and growing up within the fire service. You know that it's I I see uh, the fire department and our mission as one of my life goals, and, and I just want to continue to help it be that progressive department that it is, and, and just really help out the people along the way with my friends. And it's uh, it's, it's a great point. It's, uh, several times during this actual the actual coaching session, and even now, uh, one of the things that we we like to talk about on the show a little bit is, is just how much the job itself can really um dictate your your personal life and your not on the job time and it was it was really interesting that right from the get-go right out of the gate um you talked about your sleep 
And that is like, if I, if you had to ask any, it doesn't matter if they're in your area, if they're in Miami-Dade, if they're in the Northeast, it doesn't matter anything that you're going to talk about a hot topic with a first responder asleep, especially firefighters and EMS. Um, because we typically work shifts were allowed to sleep on duty. And um, it doesn't matter if it's, yeah, air quotes. Those are air quotes, folks, for those not wise. <laughs> allowed to sleep. Um, and a lot of people don't take it. It's like, oh, yeah, well, you get to sleep on shift. It, <laughs> apparently, you've never tried to sleep while in a firehouse. You, you really don't. And then, uh, you know, I know you guys out there in the West Coast like to do like 48 and 72-hour shifts. They don't, you don't see a lot of that out here. We have 24s as lose you the max. But you go home after 24 hours, and it takes you a day or two to really get acclimated, if you're off for two days, uh, to get reacclimated to your house where there's not house lights going on, where there's not, you know, a background radio where you don't know that other members of your department are maybe at a fire and that you're concerned. You may be, you always have concern when you know you're, you're, your brothers and your sisters are out on the line. You always have that concern. So it affects all parts of life. And so I really appreciate that we talked about that because sleep is is a touchy subject uh, with first responders. And um, you really, sh- you know, both of you shed some light on, you know, what, how, uh, we'll, we'll use that term, was it massive action you have to take when it comes to, you know, correctly getting sleep. You have to, it can't be a passive action. It has to be a massive action because you have to actually think about the changes you have to implement in order to get correct sleep. Um, and so I, I really appreciate that. That's um, I'm, I'm still trying to recover from uh, over 21 years of doing the job of, you know, going, whether it's 24 hours or 48 hours of, of no sleep. Uh, and so to, to get a handle on now, Trent and young in your career, huge step, huge step. And um, acknowledging that, you know, while at the firehouse, yeah, you don't have control over how much sleep you get. Um, but you do have a little bit of control when you're off duty uh, on setting yourself up to get, you know, a healthy rest. Uh, yeah, and, and that helps you just to be able to show up your best at that shift. Because if you come to work exhausted and you think you're going to recover at work, I mean, it's uh, you, you talk to a couple new dads and they've got kids that are up every two, three hours. Then they look for like the busiest day on the rescue. They're still getting more sleep than at home. But uh, those those windows of times are very small and, uh, you know, showing up to work well rested, ready to do the job is going to pay dividends off to your uh, to your mission, to your coworkers, to the people that you're entrusted to serve and ultimately to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And and honestly, this just ties right back in with mental health. Um, And and I'm sure everyone here, Trent and DJ and then our listeners um, get that. I mean, if you're. If you're constantly tired and not allowing your body and mind to rest, um, it'll catch up to you. And for a lot of us, that that was a lot of the catalyst on what has happened uh, with a lot of, whether it's burnout, uh, compassion fatigue, PTSD, uh, anything really trauma-based, a lot of that comes down to allowing your body to rest. So being, being ahead of that's huge. And uh, that's really good that you are. And I know a little bit about Vegas, uh, you know, through Jeff Dill. Um, you know, Jeff's a big proponent of, you know, mental health and taking care of yourself. and I know, I know pretty much if that man's associated with a fire department, they got to be uh, pretty proactive with a lot of things. Uh, and it just speaks volume just with uh, him bringing uh, first responder coaching in uh, to offer Las Vegas the, the coaching patches and give you know members like yourself an opportunity to uh, experience what coaching can do, uh, not just on a mental health aspect, but on a, in a whole living a better life aspect uh, for a responder and their family. And that's, I'm glad to have had you on today so you could get a taste of what that would look like.
Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity to come on. Thank you. Absolutely. Any closing thoughts, gentlemen, before we uh, wrap up this quite amazing episode? Are you sure? Because I could talk for a few more hours. That's (laughs) That's the problem. So can I. (laughs) You're going to be an excellent engineer candidate. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Hey, just stay happy. Keep that positive mindset in and outside of the firehouse and realize that every single call we get to go on is another opportunity to help someone and uh, how hard you work to be there. And uh, I think without wearing our class Ds, now that we wear our T-shirts, we're not exposed to our badges often, but remember how hard you work to earn that badge and um, everything that you said to be there, live that. That's awesome. I also think it's amazing that um, you guys get to wear T-shirts, by the way. Is that a West Coast thing? Is that what you guys do out there? Do you have surfboards? Hey, hey in Phoenix, or? they get to wear shorts. So, uh, you know, yeah, we get I, uh, we get our EMS pants and our, uh, you know, our, our normal, uh, you know, dress bottoms. And so we, uh, we, we, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, different cultures, different uh, things. When I was out in uh, California, it was like, first thing we did when we got to the station was put on our bunker pants and you wore your bunker pants until you went to bed and you took them off and left them at the rig and you get a call and go back on your bunker pants. So yeah. it's funny how, how different things are in uh, different areas and the cultures and everything. It is, it is funny. And in, in the Northeast, we always wore them because we were cold because <laughs> between Halloween and, and sometimes, you know, halfway through May, uh, we could have snow out here. And so we've always, it was kind of the same thing. If it was cold out, the bunker pants went on the beginning of the shift and and off they went. And of course, that was back in the day when we, always, we also used our flash hoods as scarves. And now we realize that that was killing us. So we don't do that anymore. <laughs> but um, no, this has been a great conversation. And again, I, I, I always say this. I always love talking to, you know, firefighters and, and first responders from around the country um, to get different perspectives. Most of the time, I make fun of, I make fun of the way they talk. Um, you guys don't talk funny, so I won't do that. But um you know, we've had some Canadian folks on. We've had some folks from the, like Chicago area, which it's all about the roof and a boot. Um, so uh, they get made fun of. But this has been great. And uh, you, know, you guys are DJ. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And, and Trent, just an honor and great conversation. I'm glad, glad you came on today. Hey, thank you, Keith. Yeah. Thanks again, buddy. Appreciate it. All right, folks. So uh, stay tuned for future episodes. Like I said in the beginning, we try to do these coaching sessions every three to five this one was a little longer out there but uh, there'll be more in the future uh be sure to tune in on your favorite podcast platforms apple music spotify google uh i don't know all the other ones but pretty much anyone uh, and we also post this up on youtube so make sure to go to you know my channel and the frc youtube channel and like and subscribe to stay up to date uh, with that we'll close this out and um i hope everyone stays safe uh Everyone in the Northeast, bundle up. We're about to get slapped in the face with really cold weather for the next couple of days. So I hope everyone stays safe, uh, stay warm, and uh, much love. Yeah,